Does the name Darko Desic mean anything to you? Well, to jog your memory, he was a Yugoslavia-born fugitive on the run in Australia for 29 years. In 1989, he was convicted of cultivating cannabis and given a 44-month sentence, of which he served a little over a year and a half before escaping from Grafton Prison in northern New South Wales. For nearly three decades, he made a life and name for himself as a handyman on Sydney's northern beaches before handing himself into police last year. He was resentenced and has since been serving out his term. He's expected to be released later this month when he faces the prospect of being deported to Croatia. Desic has applied to the Federal Immigration Minister to be considered for a visa so he can stay in Australia and it turns out there's a groundswell of public support for him to remain here. A few of you already chiming in on this. One of your texts reads, We like to believe that our justice system is fair and rehabilitative, but people with criminal records are disadvantaged and discriminated against for the rest of your lives. Do have your say and text me on 0418 or tweet at RN Drive. Well, lawyer Paul McGurr Jr. is representing Darko Dougie Desich, pro bono Paul. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. As I understand, Darko Desich claims he escaped from prison because he feared being deported to Yugoslavia and conscripted into the Yugoslav army then in the midst of a brutal civil war. That threat now has clearly passed. So why shouldn't he be deported? Oh, look, he's been in Australia for 30 years. He's certainly done his time. Um, He was resentenced because of the uh, escaping from custody, but not going to fight in a war is a pretty good excuse for doing that. Not that I condone it, but certainly uh, he's been a much-loved member of the Northern Beaches community and and the broader Sydney community as a whole. Why did, though, Darko hand himself in last year? Uh, There was a few reasons. Uh, Financially, he was really struggling. Uh, He had been living in um, a premises where he could uh, pay uh, a limited rent. That property had actually been sold. uh, And in that particular respect, he found himself living amongst the sand hills uh, and just really was struggling to make ends meet. Uh, And finally, he'd had this weighing on him for so long, he took himself into the police station. In the 29 years he was avoiding authorities, uh, you Mm. mentioned he was living in Sydney's northern beaches and I believe working um, as a handyman. What was he, how was he considered in that community? Did anyone know who he really was or did he just completely fly under the radar? Look, maybe in the initial times, you know, he certainly, his appearance has changed greatly, um, particularly from hard living. Um, but look, he was on the face of it, uh, known as a lovely man. And I can tell you, having got to know him, he's just a very humble, nice bloke um, and very, very skilled at uh, as a stonemason. Mm. Um, so in that particular respect, he'd also studied engineering and the like. So his work was very well sought after. So like many tradesmen, I don't think many people ask about their backgrounds or anything else. They mm. just want to know, can they do the job? And he would not only do stonemasonry, but... He was one of those blokes who anyone who needed anything done, as you said, a handyman, uh, he was very skilled and always available to do it. So is it fair to say that um, he was considered a model citizen for those 20, 29 years? And do you have evidence well, to yeah. support that? 
Yeah, well, look, the fact that he's never come up on anybody's radar, uh, you know, and been no burden. Now, some of the uh, more negative people about it, you know, look at it and say, I'll just send him home. He was never paying tax, but he was never a burden on society at all. Uh, and there are stories I've heard where he'd help people move homes if they needed, help the elderly if they needed anything done. Um, so in that particular respect, um, you know, we're talking about someone who was living rough a lot of the time and, you know, the, the well-documented when he had rotten teeth, mm. removing them him themselves because he didn't have a licence, didn't have a Medicare card. You know, we're talking the real basics of not taking anything mm. uh, without, a, without working for, for a dollar. Mm. And, yes, a lot of it was cash in hand work, but if that's the greatest crime that he's committed, you know, that, that's, uh, that's not saying much about our attitude to people like this. On RN Drive, lawyer Paul McGurr Jr. is here, who is representing former Yugoslavia-born former fugitive Darko Desic in his bid to stay in Australia on his release from jail later this month. On the text line, Dean in Templestowe writes, Hi, growing a beneficial plant that is cannabis is still illegal. Someone who breaks a bad law is a hero, not a villain. Let him stay. Well, Paul, as I understand, when he was resentenced, Darko applied to the Governor of New South Wales, Margaret Beasley, to exercise her royal prerogative of mercy and commute his sentence. This was rejected. So what are his options now? Well, unfortunately, it was rejected and, and it was a very long delay. You know, we only got an answer a few months ago in respect to it. So it was almost 12 months after repetitive requests uh, through the uh, Mr Speakman uh, and it fell on deaf ears for a lot of the time because, look, politically, I suppose a lot of people don't really want to touch this, but that said, um, you know, the next stage, uh, focusing on your question, is that we go, it's now becomes a federal matter through immigration and trying to get him to stay here, bearing in mind that he doesn't have the country to go back to that he, uh, he once left. Mm. So why do you think he should be allowed to say, what case will you mount if it goes to the federal level? Well, there's a character test, and I don't specialise uh, in immigration. So in that particular respect, it becomes down to what do you like as a character? And, of course, over the years, um, things have changed. If anyone's done more than 12 months' custody... Um, then they automatically get assessed to see whether they're desirable people. Um, but certainly he will have uh, an army of supporters, particularly on the northern beaches. You know, there's only over 30,000 people, I understand, have signed petition for him and raised money. He's got work available for him. He'll have accommodation. Um, you know, and that's what they all know him as, Doug, uh, Dougie. Uh, how he got that name, I don't know, but that's what he's affectionately known as. And mm. there's save Dougie stickers all through the northern beaches. Um, and again, this just goes to show that he is important, he is cared for, and uh, so many Australians want him here. He's, he did a crime, he's done his time, uh, and we're talking about someone who's been in Australia for 30 years um, wanting to stay. And he said, this is my home and these are my friends. Why did you decide to take on this case, which I believe is pro bono? Yeah, look, because it's, it, look, as I said, it's a heartwarming story. I, I got to meet him. He was so humbled that we were looking after him, you know. I then found out there was a GoFundMe page, but I'd already agreed to go pro bono, but that's what I said I'd do for him. But, you know, he's, he's a lovely man who needs a second chance. And as I said, that's, a, that's, a, that's the Australia I've grown up in. 
you know, we were founded as convicts where a lot of our ancestors uh, did the crime and did their time and became very good citizens, and I believe he's one. Uh, and there's not many people I meet in my travels and uh, that have actually said, yes, get rid of him. Of course, there's always a few, but I think getting rid of him would fail what I call the pub test. Uh, most people I mention to over a beer say, of course, he should be allowed to stay. Mm. Uh, Paul, just finally, once he is released at this stage, what will happen and how soon could he be deported? Well, look, if we don't get uh, temporary stop put on, which we're working at at the moment, then he could be gone pretty quick. He'll get taken from uh, uh, the custody he's in in Western Sydney at the moment uh, in a prison out west, uh, and he'll be then transported to the Billawood Detention Centre. And depending on how quickly they act, uh, he could be on a plane uh, back to what is now known as Croatia. So it's paramount we uh, keep working on it. Uh, and try and get some of these politicians to actually make a stand and come out and say, look, this is an exception that needs to be made. Um, it's exceptional circumstances, an exceptional story, mm. and there are people who are willing to back him. Does he have any family in Croatia? Um, look, distant relatives, we believe, but certainly, as he keeps saying, he said, this is my home. Mm. Uh, the, 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 the people on the northern beaches in Australia, that's my home, um, and they're my family understand both of his parents are now deceased. Um, so in that particular respect, there's no reason for him to go back and there's no, there's going to be no uh, community or family ties there that uh, we're aware of um, that would make that transition easy. Paul, we'll be watching this closely. Thanks so much for joining me. No, thanks for having me. Paul McGurr, Jr., lawyer for former fugitive Darko Desic. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.